York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Might not start off with the song of Lou Reed down in the Lower East Side years ago when it was the Alphabet Jungle Avenues A, B, C, and D. And oftentimes, Lou Reed would be seen with a spike in his arm while he was shooting up heroin. Now it would be would laced with uh, fentanyl. But he would still make great music. And I want you to listen to the words because it is so pertinent to the subjects that we're going to be commenting on, which are a ripoff of you, the taxpayers, whether you're Republicans or Democrats or Independents. And it fosters a continued abuse against the animals that we should all love. Uh, In fact, later on tonight when I return for the trifecta, the trinity, the troika of broadcasting just on Sundays alone, where WABC, the acronym always stands for Always Broadcasting Curtis. I come back at 9 o'clock, do the rip and read of the issues of the day, and then the most requested, the most called in to the many segments that I do here at WABC, the Animal Welfare Hour, and... Celebration is in the air because it will be my beautiful wife, the animal rescuer par excellence, Nancy's birthday. That's right, she's the birthday girl. Now, I have no idea if it's uh, if it's uh, today, the third, tomorrow, the fourth, or the fifth. It's one of those days. And like with Frank Morano, who refuses to acknowledge his age until the day he dies, I have no idea how old my wife is, believe it or not. I know she's a hipster, a millennial, born and raised in Greenpoint in Brooklyn. Then the family went out there in Bohemia. Out there and leave it to be the land, father knows best, little house in the prairie, somewhere in Suffolk County, only to emerge in the Upper West Side with 18 rescue cats that we now raise in a 328-square-foot apartment. And everybody says, gee whiz, you really took a walk on the wild side. Hey, hey, babe, you took a walk on the wild side, right? Hey, right, Lou Reed, let's hear it. Yeah, ran for mayor, lost that. We're going to get into uh, Eric Adams celebrating not with the United States Navy last night, but with the Dominican Navy. I kid you not. I didn't even know they had a Navy. God. And then the ongoing battle, as you heard from uh, Bob Brown, our senior uh, news director... Michael Baticic, Rudy Giuliani taking on Eric Adams over the arrest of a guy who is now infamous, Daniel Gill, who slapped him on the back. And now this has become quite the uh, criminal justice saga. We'll get into that. And Vinny Madugno, yes, Vinny Madugno will join us uh, at the 4.30 hour before he begins his own extravaganza from 5 to 6 before... I need that music here. Remember, I need that music. Remember, I'm unlike other talk show hosts here at WABC. I need it pulsating through my veins and arteries because it not only stimulates me, it keeps me from digressing and having attention deficit disorder, which normally is good when you listen to somebody like Greg Kelly. He's all over the map, but he's good. 
I need a little more boxing in, though. And see, Lou Reed boxes me in. Because I remember seeing him in the Lower East Side when I lived on Avenue A in St. Mark's Place, right across the street from Tompkins Square Park. All right, now I'm back on track. Back on track. Oh, yeah, Vinny Madunio will join us a half hour before his program to talk about that 20-year-old woman with three-month-year-old child who was shot and killed while she had her baby stroller out with a three-month-old on the Upper East Side, just a block from where I used to live and play basketball with my older son, Anthony. But it turns out that Vinnie Madunio was Azia Johnson's teacher, or at least knew her in Port Richmond High School, where he teaches Monday through Friday in the shadow of the Bayonne Bridge, entertains at night on stage, and then spins stacks of wax as the protege of Cousin Brucey. Saturdays from 5 to 6, and then so nice, our owners and operators, John and Margot Katsimatidis of our parent company, Red Apple, have him do it twice before Joe Piscopo's Sinatra two-hour extravaganza, uh, which is sponsored by Ramsey Monster. Wow. Got a lot out there, right? I know it's hot. It's schwitzing out there. It's sweating. It's July 4th. But, oh, boy, I hate Dr. Fauci. I really do. And I'm going to give you many, many different reasons why. Remember back to the uh, experiment on the beagles? Remember the poor little beagles? He outsourced it to that third world monster country of Tunisia because they have what they call the black cells where they torture the dogs and cats and other animals. Uh, And we pay them to do that because we can't do that here in the territorial United States. So we outsource it. Remember seeing those beagles shoved into that, uh, that tunnel? in which their heads were exposed to uh, sand-eating ants that just chewed up their heads as they died a torturous death. And we said, hey, Dr. Fauci, huh? What the hell are you spending money to torture beagles? What is the importance of this experiment? He took the code of omerta. Hey, the guy's 80 years old, right? He should be retired. He's had COVID how many times? Three, four, five times or more? Remember, he had that polyp removed from his throat. That's from smoking those Marlboro Reds. Nobody wants to say that the top doctor in the United States is a degenerate smoker. I don't care. He went to Regis High School, Brainiac, Jesuit High School. The guy, it's time for him to go. And now I'm going to give you the ultimate reason, because this is where your tax dollars are going. Not only to torture beagles overseas, for absolutely no reason conceivable but now he has spent one million dollars of your money he has authorized it so that a florida lab is dosing male monkeys with feminizing hormones to turn them into trans trans monkeys what the hell are you doing fauci he probably has a vicarious thrill who knows this guy may be a sex freak Time to go. Let me let me give you the nitty-gritty details of where your million dollars is going. The experiment funded by Dr. Anthony Fauci's National Institute of Allergies and Infectious Diseases aims to figure out why male-to-female transgender humans suffer higher levels of HIV infection. HIV-AIDS thrives in the margins of society, reads the project description. No population is more affected by these social injustices 
than transgender persons. A scientist, directed by Dr. Fauci, suspect that a hormone commonly given to trans women may weaken the immune system. I guess next up, prepare for this, ladies and gentlemen. You're going to have drag monkeys. That's right. Drag queen monkeys who will be conducting story hour in your local children's library. I'm telling you, right? Remember remember the Italian organ grinder, Mr. Bacigalup, with uh, uh, Abbott and Costello, Mr. Bacigalup, who had anger management problems. Remember that stereotype of Italians? The organ grinder with the little monkey who would dance and then have a little cup? Can't do that anymore. A stereotype. Mr. Bacigalup! Hey, you know, that's stereotype. Hey, forget the monkey, right? Oh, it's Mr. Bacigalup! Can you believe this? That they are spending all money to experiment on monkeys in a Florida lab to turn the male monkeys trans and the female monkeys trans. For what purpose? It's beyond me. And who do you think vicariously looks at these videos from a compound somewhere in the Beltway where Dr. Fauci is smoking? <laughs> His Marlboro Reds, two packs a day. What a freak! Our number's 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-922. Oh, wait a second. Let's take a walk on the wild side, Lou Reed, because it's not just Dr. Fauci, a man who must retire, but it's also Vladimir Putin and his ongoing war against Zelensky and the Ukraine. And remember, who is it that uh, Joe Biden blames all the inflation on? And the cost of gasoline, Putin, 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 Putin. Well, apparently, Vladimir Putin, before he sent his T-2 tanks rolling into the Ukraine, was conducting grisly experiments in a Russian lab turning kittens into electrically controlled zombies. Electrically controlled zombies. With the help of who? Dr. Fauci! You remember how he founded that uh, laboratory in Wuhan? Dr. Fauci said, well, what lab in Wuhan? In the meantime, we find out that he was funding it through the National Institute of Allergies and Infectious Diseases. He's funding this, too. Unbelievable. Researchers at the Pavlov Institute of Psychology in St. Petersburg, Russia, that's where Vladimir Putin, the evil one, was birthed and raised were paid by the U.S. National Institute of Health to desebriate 18 healthy cats. You know what that means? They give them a lobotomy at your taxpayer's expense. For what purpose? It was to sever their brain stems to prevent movement while keeping them alive. I mean, is this ghoulish or what? Scientists then in Russia used electrical charges to make the cats walk on treadmills, transforming them into the walking kitty dead. Thank God congressional Republicans exploded at President Biden when news of the cruel and wasteful tests leaked this year. Days after Putin invaded the Ukraine, quote, our foreign adversaries, especially ones run by tyrants, should not be given U.S. tax dollars to conduct heinous animal research they wrote in a March 10th letter to Biden. Did you ever hear about that? Bet you you didn't. 
thought she was I bet you you didn't. Do you think Joe Biden even read that letter? Hell no. What the hell is this? You're committing lobotomies against cats in Russia, turning them into zombie cats? And who's paying for that? The Russians with their rubles, which, by the way, are as strong the ruble as it was now, as it was before the invasion. Remember, we were told, oh, they're going to be insolvent. Bull feathers, because what happens is you have Putin selling his oil now to Red China and India, and they're paying him in rubles. So he's back to where he was. And we're paying him to give lobotomies to cats. Well, wait, it gets better. Let's take that walk on the wild side with Lou Reed again with our tax dollars. Your tax dollars being misspent. Taxpayers are rolling the dice on a high-stakes study that aims to untangle the psychology of gambling addiction. And I know who is paying very close attention to this. Our own Frank Morano, the mamaluke from Staten Island, who cannot stay away from the crap tables at the Borgata in Atlantic City. He's constantly losing every nickel, dime, and penny that he makes here at WABC, doing the other side of midnight, one to five, Monday through Fridays. And now he has been elevated, starting Monday night, July 4th, as it weans into July 5th, Tuesday. He is going to be syndicated across the nation. That's his reward for being a degenerate gambler. He will be heard in cities right across the nation, from the West Coast to the East Coast to the heartland of America. Can you believe it? The heartland of America is going to be exposed to our mamaluke, Frank Morano. But this experiment is important for him because apparently your tax dollars have built a casino for pigeons. As you know, I'm the pigeon man. Pigeons follow me from the Upper West Side here to WABC on the East Side on a regular basis. About a hundred followed me yesterday in the aftermath of my show with Anthony Weiner. He goes solo in the middle from two to three, and then I follow him together. He's on the left, I'm on the right. We battle the issues of the day, and he looked outside right before we brought the show to a close. And he said, oh, my God, I feel like it's Alfred Hitchcock, the birds. All the pigeons, they were, like, stuck with Velcro right on the windows. I hadn't fed them earlier. They were, like, desperate for pigeon food. And so what did I do? I said, hey, Anthony, I got to go feed the pigeons. Oh, my God. They were, like, dozens and dozens and dozens. Because I'm the pigeon man. But this study is being conducted to benefit the degenerate gamblers out there like Frank Morano. The National Institute of Health, yes again, Dr. Fauci, has sent nearly half a million dollars to Reed College in Portland, Oregon. I thought maybe to beg, beseech, Antifa and Black Lives Matter not to burn down the rest of Portland, Oregon. No. Researchers are taking three years to create a self-contained miniature economy for the school's flock of pigeons. The pigeons receive tokens that they can earn, accumulate, spend, or gamble on slot machines. Imagine... They're putting pigeons in front of slot machines like it's Vegas, like it's Atlantic City, like it's Reno, like it's Lake Tahoe, like it's uh, Bethlehem, the old U.S. steel plant uh, along the Lehigh Valley, like it's uh, Wilkes-Barre, like it's, uh, remember, in the Poconos, the sixth borough of the city of New York, like it exists there 
with the Indian nations running the casinos in Connecticut like it is with the Indian casinos upstate. They're putting pigeons in front of slot machines like old Altacockers. And the whole idea is to see exactly how much the pigeons can earn, accumulate, spend, or gamble on slot machines. Now, I realize that we have to help people like Frank Morano, degenerate gamblers, who cannot extricate themselves from the roulette wheels, the crap tables, the blackjack tables, the poker tables, or even like the Racino at Aqueduct, all electronic games. There are people there right now in a frenzy. You know, God, I, I gotta be able to smoke. They won't let me smoke in the casino, so they gotta run outside, get a few smokes like Fauci, you know, those Marlboro Reds, run back inside and like waste all their money. And now we'll be able to follow the pigeon poop to know exactly how much you should be gambling and not gambling on slot machines. Our number is 1 800 848 9222. That's 1 800 848 WABC. But aha! It's not just animals, monkeys that we're turning into trans, uh, pigeons that are playing slot machines, and Russian zombie cats that we're paying for as Putin tortures them. It's even experiments for you. All of you here at WABC, I want you to listen. Butts up for you. That's right. It's took us time. Scientists from Stanford University have been given $7 million of our tax dollars from the National Cancer Institute to build an artificially intelligent toilet system. A toilet system that films the user's backsides. You know, when you're copping a squat on the toilet, it's filming you from inside of the bowl. Just like your fingerprint, the researchers claim your derriere has up to 37 unique creases that create an individually identifiable anal print. So you have fingerprints, you have iris prints, you know, where you put your eyeball into that laser machine and it determines that you are the person that you claim you are. I don't know why they call it iris. What, do they have something against guys? Why don't they call it Ira? Ira and iris, right? But you never know. It could be a transgender. We could be identifying as a different gender any moment of the day. And none of you can question that. 72 different gender and sex identifications. But you caused me to digress from the anal print. The toilets, cameras, and computers analyze the user's urine flow, track time spent on the bowl. How many of our employees, he, he's here at WABC, they go into the men's room or the woman's room there and they just sit on the porcelain palace, right? And they hide for like a half hour. Come on, admit it here. How many of you gold bricks, you slackers, you deadbeats, you raise your hand like we did in school? Teacher, teacher, bathroom break. Again? What do you have, the runs, Curtis? You never know. You never know. You know, I had that spinach last night. It, it didn't do my constitution all that well. And I'm running back and forth. And all I'm doing to while away the 45 minutes of that period at Build the Sea Junior High School is sitting on the porcelain palace. saying, come on, just another five minutes and it'll be the end of the period. And I can get the hell out of here. They're not going to be able to do that anymore because government will be able to track your time spent sitting on the toilet bowl and evaluate your overall health while you're doing that. 
You know where they got this from? They got this from the Masan. I'll never forget this story. As I digress again, it's very important. There was a meeting between Halafez Assad, the butcher in Baghdad, who produced uh, Bashir Assad, the dictator there now in Damascus, Syria. But Halafez Assad was meeting with the king of Jordan right on the border, and they had portisans. And so Halafez Assad had to use the portisan. And the Mossad had uh, intertwined itself as the maintenance men for the portisan. And so he eliminated, and then they took it back to a laboratory in Tel Aviv, and they determined he had prostate cancer, and he had only six months to live. And do you know, almost to a day, he dropped dead of prostate cancer six months later. So you see, Israel leads with the Mossad. And your ta- tax dollars follow, as we are now going to have toilet camps. Now, there are a lot of freaks out there who get off on this, but we're paying for $7 million worth of toilet cams to gauge your health. The data is regularly uploaded to the secure, one hopes, Internet cloud. Can you imagine if there are freaks out there who actually get off on those pictures and they're able to steal your Tuchus pictures from the cloud? But the Stanford team admits to fully reap the benefits of the smart toilet. Users must make their peace with a camera that scans their anus. What kind? We're funding this. This is Dr. Fauci. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Oh, there's more, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to get into it. Oh, yeah, and then Eric Adams saluting the Dominican Navy last night, going to a celebration for them, and not our United States Navy or our Coast Guard or the flotilla that we have of NYPD vessels or FDNY vessels. The Dominican Navy? Oh, oh, yeah, there's quite the story to that, too. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. W-A-B-C. Oh, then finally, this is the other place where money is being spent. $1,500,000 to track animal poop. Now, I know a lot of you guys here at W-A-B-C, you want a side hustle, right? Don, okay? I realize you make money here, but a side hustle. Dr. Fauci is ready, ready to pay you more than the minimum wage, $28.50 an hour, and all you got to do is follow animals and collect their poop. Now, you know, if they're in Central Park, they're in Prospect Park, they're up in Yonkers, they're in the Great Wilds in our tri-state area. You got to follow the bears, you got to follow the deer, you got to follow the coyotes, you got to follow the foxes, you got to follow the wolves. You got to follow dogs. You got to follow cats. And all you need to get this job done at $28.50 an hour, courtesy of the taxpayers, the sucker taxpayers through Dr. Fauci, is a pooper scooper. I don't know about you, but years and years ago when Ed Koch was the mayor of the city of New York, you would go out, especially in the summertime, and it would be a seething, just smelly location. Because dogs would relieve themselves, and there was no requirement to pick up after your dogs. I remember what it was like. A hot, sweltering day was 100 degrees. 
You'd be on the Upper East Side, the Upper West Side. You'd be in North Brooklyn. You'd be uh, in Astoria. And you had to hold your nose because of all the dog poop everywhere. And then it caught cracked down. He said, from now on, all of you will have to have pooper scoopers. And that's why all of you now, you walk around with those little plastic bags. You know, obviously, you could multitask with that. You sell nickels and dimes worth of marijuana or hashish in them. That's how small they are. But instead, you're picking up your dog's poop. Do you realize that poop may be valuable to you? Dr. Fauci wants to recruit you as a pooper scooper. $28.50. In fact, if it's elephant dung, bison dung, elk dung, bear dung, it's a premium price on that. Think of it, guys. You could go into the zoo cage, in the elephant cage, with Happy up there in the Bronx. Happy's not too happy, banging its head on the granite wall, because Happy has not been released. Happy is not free to go to a preserve in Texas. Happy is in chains and shackles in the Bronx Zoo. But any one of you guys could go over that fence late at night. I dare you. I challenge you. And if you can get some of that poop... Apparently, some of that elephant dung is very valuable to Dr. Fauci and the scientists there at the National Institute of Health. You will get a premium price of $52.65 an hour. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC, the continuation of WABC, which stands for Always Broadcasting, Curtis, here on the weekends. I finished uh, the morning show, 12 to 6. So nice they have me do it twice, 3 to 5. Remember, Vinny Madugno is joining us at 4.30, not to talk about his music, but he actually knew that young woman who was slain, who was executed on 95th in Lexington with her three-month-year-old baby in the baby carriage because she used to be a student at Port Richmond High School, where Vinnie Madugno teaches each and every day, entertains at night, and then comes here to spend stacks of wax at 5 o'clock to 6 today before Jersey Joe Piscopo and the Frank Sinatra two-hour extravaganza sponsored by Ramsey Monster. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Lou's calling from Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Lou. Curtis, good to hear from you again. And I, I am so heartbroken that you didn't win the primary to become mayor of the city. I really am. Well, hold on a second, Lou. Let me uh, let me straighten you out on that. I did win the Republican primary. I crushed this Fernando Mateo. Nobody has seen him since. But I lost fair and square in the general election to Eric Adams. And I I am corrected. Uh, and it was unbelievable. And I'm just hoping that, uh, you know, since Swazi didn't uh, win uh, the Democratic primary, I will have to vote Republican. Uh, that I don't mind to because I'm moderate conservative uh, to vote for her for governor. But I want to say something interesting. You know, in the last uh, uh, 10 or so years, have you noticed that the government that used to be so against gambling now promotes gambling, allows commercial interests to promote gambling. And the same government that used to be so against marijuana is now 
promoting and allowing marijuana. Oh, Lou, and, uh, uh, Lou, it shouldn't, though, it shouldn't strike you as odd, Lou, because, look, Major League Sports, they want to cut of the action on betting that they always said would stain the sports uh, programs that they promote. And government will take a cut wherever they can get it now. In fact, my prediction, if the liberals and progressives of AOC, all out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, leader of the Democratic Socialists of America, the justice warriors prevail, they will soon uh, be uh, developing revenue from the legal sale of heroin and fentanyl and meth. Oh, yeah. We're moving in that direction right here on The Curtis Lee Show. Talk Radio 77 WABC, New York's talk station with the king of New York, Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Last night at 8 p.m., he was with the men and women wearing their white naval outfits. But it wasn't for the U.S. Navy. It wasn't for the Coast Guard. It wasn't even for the flotilla of boats that service us and keep us safe in the waters by the NYPD or the fire department. It wasn't even for tugboats out in Staten Island or Red Hook. No. Believe it or not. Our mayor was saluting the Dominican Navy. I didn't even know they had a navy. But it was a free party. So, you know, our mayor, the swagger man, was there. What, what did he got? Some tugboats? Uh, the 72nd Street Boat Basin along the West Side Highway? I, I don't But he was there in Washington Heights and Inwood. Everybody was speaking Spanish, of course. He knew nothing of what they were talking about. And I said to myself, how come this guy wasn't with the U.S. Navy or the Coast Guard? Oh, that's right. We chased the Navy out of Stapleton. That's right. They used to be right there in Staten Island. We chased the Coast Guard out of Governor's Island. Yeah, that's right. Schumer, Jerry the Whale, Nadler, please reelect me for life. Hell no. Over my dead body. But then again, Carolyn Maloney. If you get one more facelift, Carolyn, your face is going to snap like an old rubber band. Please. That's why we need term limits. We have no Navy in the largest port on the East Coast, the most important port. We have no Coast Guard that is positioned here any longer. And where did Eric Adams go instead? To salute the mighty Dominican Navy. All I know is, a lot of Dominicans uh, invading Puerto Rico, because, you know, once you get into Puerto Rico, you got access to the United States. You don't think they're being, like, smuggled in on those few naval vessels that the Dominican Navy has? What the hell was that about? You know, I would have gone up to the mayor, I would have said, what was your position on the invasion of the DR by LBJ in 1965? He probably would have said I wasn't even birthed. You know, when we destabilized the country that had elected Juan Bosch to take over for Trujillo, the dictator. 
Oh, let me tell you a story about Trujillo. There was the good and the bad about this dictator. When uh, Jews were fleeing Europe and uh, FDR himself turned away the USS St. Louis, filled with Jews who, if sent back, would have gone to the death chambers throughout East Europe that the Nazis and Hitler had sent up, Trujillo accepted them. That's why you have a lot of Jews there in the DR. You say, how the hell were there Jews in the DR? Because of the dictator Trujillo. But Trujillo also wanted to get rid of his uh, gay population. He had all kinds of pejorative mark- remarks. I'm not going to use the terms that he called them. And he said, hey, Patos, I want you to get on this ocean liner. We're going to take you to the United States. That's right. Your dream will come true. Get on this ocean liner. We're going to take you to the United States. Now, this is a long time ago. Now, this may be rumor and innuendo, but if you knew Trujillo, that vicious, killing, tyrant dictator in the DR, it's plausible. And apparently, they rounded up the gay men in Santo Domingo. They put them on this ocean liner. They sent them towards the United States. And then two jets from the Dominican Air Force sunk the ocean liner out in the Bermuda Triangle. Now I know a lot of people say, oh, come on. He wouldn't do anything like that. Back then in the 50s, hell yes, he would. Look, remember the Mariolito boat movement in which Castro sent us men and women from his prisons, those who were gay, those that he didn't want on the island. There was Jimmy Carter right there, Miami Beach, South Beach, saying, hey, we welcome you. I'm your poppy chula, remember? Oh, God. You th- do you really think... That Eric Adams knows anything about the DR, Dominican Republic, how many times we invaded the DR. Do you really think he knows anything about that? The fear that they would have been under Castro's wing in 1965. And then you know we installed there to replace Juan Bosch, duly elected there. Joaquin Balaguer, a blind guy, like David Patterson. Uh, he was our uh, he was our CIA guy there. They basically the CIA said, Hey, hey, Joaquin, he goes, I can't see anything. Just sign on the dotted line. We'll move your hand on the paperwork. You think Eric Adams knows any of this? Of course not. But what Eric Adams knows, that with crime skyrocketing, he had enough time to appeal with Trevor Noah on the Comedy Central Network and listen. Listen to what he had to say. As a mayor right now, what what grade would you give yourself? And, and I know it's a tough one. I told you when we spoke earlier, there's no tough questions for me because okay, I'm authentic. Okay. Right. I'm going to be me. You are you, definitely. I'll say that about you. What would you grade yourself as as a mayor? I'm, I, 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 I'm incomplete. I'm incomplete. Oh, I'm oh incomplete. interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's an interesting yeah, one. I'm incomplete. All right. Incomplete. Isn't this the guy who gave... Uh, Bill de Blasio, a B-plus in that final debate I had with him, and everybody said, what? Are you in a drug-induced psychosis? An incomplete mark after six months. You know, that's what you got when you didn't even go to school. They didn't fail you. They they marked it incomplete, right? Wait, wait. He goes on with Trevor Noah. Oh, that big interview on Comedy Central. I get up every morning. I meditate. I exercise. Uh, I pray. I, I say the Pledge of Allegiance. And I get myself ready. Every day? Every day. Every day. I mean, that, the last one's a bit weird, Every you have day. to admit. Well, but it's not. Wait a second. Did I hear that again? Did I hear him say that not only when he wakes up 
Okay, he exercises, he meditates, he prays. But he does the Pledge of Allegiance. Do we really believe that? Let me get the wax out of my ears. Could you play that again? Play that I again. Up every morning, I meditate, I exercise, uh, I pray, I, I say the Pledge of Allegiance, and I get myself ready. Every day? Every day. <laughs> every day. I mean, that, the last one's a bit weird, every you have day. to admit. Well, but it's not. There's nobody who believes he does the Pledge of Allegiance every day. He is the Biden of Brooklyn. Remember, he said, I'm the Biden of Brooklyn. He makes up things. As he goes along. But then he was there for the graduation of a class of 500 in Madison Square Garden. Desperately needed police officers. 500 should have been a class of 1,000. He's having problems getting recruits. This is uh, what Eric uh, Adams had to say to that class. Well, you're no longer just looking for the bad guy that has a gun, but just everyone is going to carry a gun while you're policing. What the hell is he talking about? You mean if somebody qualifies to have a carry permit concealed? Could you play that again, Sam, please? You're no longer just looking for the bad guy that has a gun, but just everyone is going to carry a gun while you're policing. He's actually spreading this myth that because the United States Supreme Court said it was unfair that New Yorkers who would qualify for a premise permit, that means they already qualify, jump through the hoops to be able to have a handgun in their home or their place of business, that they also should be entitled to have a concealed carry permit. Makes sense to me. He's making it seem like every person is going to have a gun. And, and then he continued. He it, This was at the end of his speech to 500 NYPD recruits, out of an expected class of a thousand, we're really hurting. I'm going to give you the stats, the analytics up next. And my God, it's bad. We are who we are. If I can borrow from the owner of the Snapple soft drink, we are who we are because we're made up of the best stuff on earth. We are New Yorkers and we are the NYPD. Congratulations to you. The best. Stuff on earth. I mean, he's a health guy. There's no doubt about it. Eric Adams is. But did he ever look at the ingredients in Snapple, like a lot of sugar, citric acid, all kinds of bad things for your body? That's what he left these recruits with, who are now going to have to go out there and battle the criminals in a handicapped way. I'm going to give you the analytics up next, ladies and gentlemen. It is shocking because the mayor has done nothing to hire more cops, nothing, nothing to refund the billion dollars that his predecessor, Bill de Blasio, and the city council took from the police budget. We are in real big, dire need of hiring, vetting, training, and graduating more police. El rapido. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Oh, boy, NYPD, do you have double trouble. Your numbers are plummeting down to 34,500 cops. Had 7,500 detectives. We're now down to 5,500. Remember, they're the men and women who go out and connect the dots after arrests are made so that they can put a full package before the DAs who are just going to cut them loose, all of them. Doesn't matter where the DAs are from. Yeah, yeah, we all bang on Alvin Bragg, rightfully so. Turn him loose, Alvin Bragg in Manhattan. But, hey, Clark in the Bronx does the same thing. You have uh, Eric uh, Gonzalez in Brooklyn. He has diversion programs. If you get caught with a loaded 9 millimeter toolie in your hand, 
You don't go to jail. You go to a diversion program where they give you pizza and Coca-Cola once a week and they tell you, hey, homie, blood crip, don't do it again. Oh, I promise, I promise. And they cut you loose. And then there's cats and queens. Yeah, I, I know her. And then, of course, there's uh, McMahon, the ambulance chaser, uh, the DA out in Staten Island. We're going to be talking about him in the next hour because he's right in the mix between Eric Adams and Rudy Giuliani going at one another. And as you know, I've got uh, Rudy's son, Andrew, who's going to resolve this on Monday at the Travis 4th of the July Parade in Staten Island. Oh, hopefully you can attend. We'll get into that in the uh, 4 o'clock hour. But let me give you the bad stats. There have been 400 retirements uh, in June alone from the NYPD, 123 resignations, the most in more than a decade. And they're taking their experience and talent to other places. They're being recruited in municipalities, county sheriff's departments all over the country. They're picking on pockets, and Eric Adams is oblivious to that. 2,119 NYPD have either resigned or retired since January 1st. It will be the biggest exited ever from the police department. Ever. Now, did you see any attempt to hire any new cops in the bloated $101 billion budget? Not a penny. And none for hiring correctional officers who were so desperately needed. So he can't go before a graduating class of only 500 when they expected 1,000. They're finding it very difficult to recruit uh, potential uh, men and women to join the department. In fact, Eric Adams, you need to know this, is talking about lowering the standards. You know, no more two years of college, military experience, none of that. It's sort of like, hey, can you breathe? Do you have a general diploma from a high school that you just sat there for like 12 years and, you, you know, you're just a human being. They gave you a general diploma. You don't even have to have a regent's diploma, vocational high school diploma, GED. It's just, please, sign on the dotted line. Meantime, let's go, though, to the audio cuts. Because I never thought that I would be referring to Cindy Adams time and time again. Cindy Adams as you know, was the number one gossip columnist in New York since I think Alexander Hamilton in, invented the New York Post uh, so many, so many years ago. She has been a fixture there. And yet of late, she has written column after column talking about when Bernie Carrick was in charge of the prisons, uh, comparing him to Molina now, who is inept. Then she wrote a big piece about Bill Bratton, talked about how his wife was mugged in broad daylight on 57th and 3rd. He gave a whole recipe of things that needed to be done, almost none of which Eric Adams is doing. And then the last piece by Ray Kelly, longest-serving NYPD police commissioner, and he gave a whole recipe of what he would do, all of them. Uh, Bratton and Kelly gave a lot of good ideas. Uh, Eric Adams, not at all interested in listening you had a column in the New York Post uh, during the week that suggested he put aside his differences and meet with uh, Rudy Giuliani, the greatest crime fighter we've had uh, as mayor of New York City. He's refused to do that. So uh, Cindy Adams earlier today, she's on from 12 to 1 on Sundays. And then obviously the grand dame herself follows uh, from 2 to 3 before I return to all of you. But Cindy Adams had on Ed Rollins. Ed Rollins, who's been around a long, long time, and he, he put it all in perspective. First of all, he's little Lord Fauntleroy. He went to California to have a party with Paris Hilton as though that is going to help New York. 
If he wants to help New York, let him go to Bed-Stuy, but he's not doing that. Now, I know for a lot of you, you're saying, Little Lord Fauntleroy? What the hell is that? Well, I remember reading that in uh, PS 114. Uh, Let me try to describe it. It's like when you wear a Buster Brown suit. That's what it used to be called. You would never catch me dead in that. It was very popular in America, not so much in the U.K. towards the turn of the century. The classic Fauntleroy suit was a velvet cutaway jacket matching knee pants worn with a fancy blouse and a large lace or ruffle collar. That's exactly what I think Eric Adams is going to be wearing soon. And if you want to know where our mayor is, all you got to do is read page six. I read it every day. There, there are notes about Eric Adams. Look at page six today, the most read portion of the New York Post online of any of the stories. And it says the mayor's party position. It's always about the parties he goes to. Apparently, there is a buzz in the fashion world that party-hopping Mayor Eric Adams has even attended some parties to which he wasn't invited. The guy goes to parties, fashion Easter parties, where he's not invited. There was one thrown by Valentino and Bergdorf, and he wasn't on the list. And he just came and he said, I'm here. Give me the microphone. It's showtime. And sources at another fashion Easter party downtown this week were dissing that the mayor crashed the Midtown Department Store bash in April. And we're wondering why we have a higher crime rate than we had in any of the uh, months of the eight years of destruction imposed upon us by Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, now wants to go on to take that wrecking ball to Washington in the 10th Congressional District. He's got 15 opponents in the primary in late August. And can you imagine if he gets elected congressman, he will try to complete that task. But even during all eight years of Bill de Blasio, it was never this bad. Now, true, the guy stood at Gracie Mansion. He was doing Puff Puff Pass on the back porch uh, with Charlene McRae. You know, they were like totally stoned out by about 10 o'clock at night. I get it. He wasn't a party guy. He didn't raise the, the roof. He wasn't a nightlife mayor. But this is way too much. I mean... Eric Adams, when he goes on his fundraising tour, and believe it or not, he's on a fundraising tour now. Yesterday, nobody knew where he was. I think he was out in the Hamptons raising the Shimoes. This is his standard line now. Lit a lot of incense, had some rosemary beads, did a lot of prayers, and God did not let those other folks be mayor. He allowed me to <laughs> So every time he's raising money for his reelection, by the way, he's already capped out. Whether it's the Hamptons or it's Beverly Hills with Paris Hilton, he always says that. I'm so happy that God let me be mayor and didn't let the others be mayor, as if God had chosen him. You know, I don't know what it is with these Republicans. Bush 43 said the same thing. Ted Cruz, the same thing. Eric Adams says the same thing. Democrats or Republicans, when they're in trouble, they always, they, they don't blame themselves. They say, hey, you know, God appointed me here. God anointed me to be mayor of the city of New York. Anyway, let's go to the phones, 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Kevin, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Kev. Hey, uh, good afternoon, uh, Curtis. Doing a great job uh, listening to you every week and throughout the days of of the week and the whole staff of uh, 77. Um, Last night, I didn't get a chance to hear your uh, your, your, um, take on... um, you were talking about Newark being the most unpatriotic city. I know um, Bill O'Reilly had a little quick quick snippet of it. 
Um, what 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 categorize that as uh, the unpatriotic city? Because I know NORCAT got another uh, bad um, award for unpopular, most unpopular city, and most most unfriendliest city, and most undirtiest city is. And what is what is your take on um, like what's the most dangerous pro- housing project in North? Well, now, Kevin, you're very astute. You're very cogent. I see you listen to slivers of Bill O'Reilly's update, 12 to 12.15, Monday through Fridays, and then I follow with a 45-minute rip and read with commentary. You're right. I was teasing you through the wee hours in the morning to the break of dawn, Kevin, because I'm talking about how New Jersey was voted the most unpatriotic state in the nation. That's right, Murphy, who calls everybody knuckleheads. We're going to talk about that tonight at 9 o'clock. And how Newark has been uh, voted the most unpatriotic city in America. Roz Baraka, you always hated America. Uh, the son, the evil seed of Leroy Jones, a.k.a. Amumu Baraka, who was at war with my friend Tony Imperiali for years. North Ward Citizens Organization. They stood the line when there were the riots in the 60s. And the rioters were coming up North Bloomfield Avenue. Tony Imperiali. And uh, the neighborhood there in North Ward said, no, 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 you're not going to another inch or we're going to shoot you. You loot, we shoot. Oh, he's called a racist. Hey, that was the only place that survived the riots. And Raj Baraka became mayor, and it's God. It's like Dante's Inferno. It's like you crawl into the belly of the beast. Newark has been elected the most unpatriotic city in America. Correct. I'm going to explain that tonight. Whereas they used to be one of the most patriotic cities. Give me an example. There were more Newark in Newark. There were more Cadillac dealerships than anywhere else in America, including Detroit, before the riots. You can't even find a Cadillac used car lot in Newark now. Newark has been elected, as Kevin said, the dirtiest city in America. And boy, that's there's a lot of cities that qualify there. And it is. Out of all the cities I've been to, it's like nobody picks up the trash. Nobody there. What does Raj Baraka do, huh? Other than scream about, oh, we need to talk criminal rights, not police rights. And then it's been uh, voted the most unfriendly city. That's right, because when you roll into Newark, you get carjacked. What do you think? They're going to stick a toolie in your face, tell you to get out of your Beamer, your Benz, and and smile at you while while they're driving away? Of course not. And did you see that drive by shooting that was just done in a Honda? Right in weak wake, nine people outside of a bodega, five o'clock. And guess what? They're looking for a car, a white Honda, that had been stolen in Jersey City. Well, of course. This is what the guys from Newark do. They steal cars, then they use it in a crime. They take it to a chop shop over at Van Vecten on the border of Elizabeth Hillside in Newark. Or they just they just drop the car off in the middle of nowhere. Look, they came into Nassau County. You saw the Nassau executive, county executive, screaming about how they were robbing cars there and then driving them back to Newark. They're doing it in Staten Island. Some guy is sleeping in his house in Toad Hill. They break in. They steal his Maserati. They steal steal other cars there in Toad Hill. And then he followed it on the GPS, and he turned it off. He turned the ignition off, and he was stranded where? In the middle of Newark in Branchbrook Park. Yeah, oh, you don't want to miss it tonight. I'm going to make the case of why a guy who calls every one of you in New Jersey knuckleheads, Murphy, and you're all masochists, you love that. You you must love being just beaten down because you had a chance to elect Citarelli. He barely lost. And now Murphy is in charge of the state. He goes, it's the most livable state in New Jersey. Bullfeathers, bullfeathers. People are fleeing. It's now been voted the least patriotic. 
Newark has been voted the least patriotic city. Raz Baraka, the dirtiest city. Raz Baraka and the unfriendliest city. Raz Baraka. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to talk Jersey tonight. Absolutely. I know a lot of our fellow hosts and hostesses, they're not too hip on Jersey. Per capita, per person, there are more WABC listeners in New Jersey than in the entire tri-state area. I know that from my beginnings here. Way back in 1991, when the king of talk radio was in the afternoons, Bob Grant, and he cultivated that audience, and we haven't lost strides with that audience since. We're going to focus on that tonight at 9, but coming up at, oh, you're not going to want to miss this, 4.30. Vinny Madugno, the new rising star here at WABC, teaches at Port Richmond High School by day, spins uh, stacks of wax here on the weekends, uh, Saturdays right before uh, Cousin Brucey, his mentor, from 5 to 6. And again, so nice, the suits are letting him do it twice. Sundays before Jersey Joe Piscopo and the Frank Sinatra two-hour extravaganza sponsored by Ramsey Monster, 5 to 6. But he's not going to be talking music or entertainment. It turns out that he actually knew that young lady who was shot dead on 95th in Lexington with a three-month-year-old baby and that baby carriage because she had gone to Port Richmond High School. So he's going to tell us a little bit about her. And, boy, it was interesting what he told me yesterday. He's going to share. Talk Radio 77 WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Must we say goodbye? Each time we part, my heart wants to. Now you would think, wow, is this Jay Black? Jay Black of the Americans. Wow, hits the high notes. You'd say it. Jay Black, he's passed away. Did he come back? Well, he's come back in the form of uh, the new rising star here at WABC, the Staten Island kid, Vinny Madugno, who is now on not only Saturdays uh, 5 to 6 before his protege, uh, is the protege of his mentor, Cousin Brucey, who's on then 6 to 10, followed by Tony Orlando without Dawn, and then I take you to the break of Dawn from 12 midnight to 6. And so nice, the suits, uh, owners and operators, John and Margot Katsimatidis, has said, wow. They were there at the Empire Steakhouse for the ratings uh, party that uh, John, Margot, and our president, uh, Chad, Chad Lopez, threw for everybody. And Vinny Madugno came up after Jersey Joe Piscopo entertained the crowd by singing Frank Sinatra classics. And he's great at that. But Vinny blew off the roof with his uh, rendition of Katamiya, Jay Black. And I actually, uh, Vinny, I saw Margot crying. Yeah, it was nice. Because they were real fans of Jay Black. They were friends, too. Right. She, uh, Jay had performed at some of her functions and birthday parties. Uh, I'll never forget 
It was at the time uh, the borough president, uh, Marty Markowitz, who was like the Swifty Lazar of Brooklyn. He would put on all those concerts at Levy Park, and he had uh, Jay Black uh, performing. And I was there with Johnny Legit, and he said, oh, you want to see Jay Black? He's back in the trailer. I said, yeah, I'll go, I'll go talk to Jay. And Jay was sitting there, and he was, like, contemplating because he was going out there solo, and, you know, it's going to be a long concert, and he just couldn't do song after song. He had to tell a few vignettes. Sure, sure. He saw me, he had a heart attack. So I had nothing to do with the Gottis and the Gambinos. <laughs> I know, you know, I used to sing at their birthdays, uh, confirmations, communions, the wedding. You know I had nothing to do with it. I said, Jay, I'm not here for that. <laughs> I'm here to find out if the story that Kenny Vance told me was true. He used to be part of Jay Black and the Americans. And now he's uh, leader of the Planetones. I, I love that group, Duop Acapella. He said, you guys were at the height of your status in America. This is right before the Beatles came over. Number one group in America. Three nights in a row, Madison Square Garden, packed house. You got paid in cash back then. The manager comes in with the cash bag to divide it up. Jay Black, obviously, the leader, Kenny Vance, the others. They all get the money. And then the IRS, the Treasury agents, raid the place and take all the money because Jay Black owed them for a number of reasons. And then Kenny Vance said, and after we're at the height of success, we're finally getting money we deserve we had to borrow tokens from our family members to go back to Brooklyn, Queens, and Kenny Vance lived in the Rockaways back then. He goes, from the height of success to having borrowing tokens. He said, but we couldn't survive without Jay Black. There was Jay Black the good and Jay Black who had all of his habits that we had to learn to deal with. But, boy, that was a tremendous rendition you did. And then when you came out to uh, the Garden State Parkway for – Oh, for the Cousin Brucey Presents show. And then you got on that stage and you, again, did the same thing. I saw folks out there, baby boomers, who grew up with Jay Black, who swore they're closing their eyes. They, they thought that the ghost of Jay Black was on that uh, stage. Where did you learn to, to come up with these classics and recreate them in a manner where people think that you're actually Jay Black? Well, that's, that's first of all, the greatest compliment ever because I hear that a lot from people that they— they, they they feel like they hear him singing the song. So that's great because I wouldn't sing it if I didn't sound close to him and tribute him and honor him properly. But honestly, the truth of the matter is, like, when I was on my way to come here today, my mother's in the kitchen stuffing artichokes, playing all that music. That's how I grew up. Grandparents played it. I was raised on it. And they were my vocal coaches, so to say, playing those tapes, playing those records as a kid. And um, I started singing, had a karaoke machine in the house. And my father said, when you grow up, you should do this. And, of course, other things like teaching and whatnot. But I love it. I love it. It's such great music. Well, you actually do a lot of entertaining at nights when you're not teaching at Port Richmond High School. But a lot of people will just assume, oh, he's an entertainer. You know, he must have his own band. He must travel the circuit. You know, like Joe Piscopo, he's a host of a talk show at AM 970 Answer. But oftentimes... He's out in the middle of the heartland of America. He's doing concerts. I can't keep up with him. I get tired. Right. But now, how did you get into that in terms of showcasing yourself out there for large audiences? So, Cousin Brucey, believe it or not, when he was on Sirius, my brother was his producer. And he tells the story about me doing the thing at San Gennaro. 
started asking me if I wanted to open for a lot of these other groups and other shows and whatnot. And I'd always sang locally for quite a few years, but it was just waiting for that shot in the arm kind of a thing. And then another Staten Island guy, Vito Pacone, who had the song Little Star in 1958, would start to have me open up for him at the beach, Midland Beach, at these big concerts that we would do. And lo and behold, I was starting to catch the attention of a lot of the legends from the 60s and the 50s and whatnot and, you know, start going on the circuit with them. And then PNC Bank Art Center invited me to do a senior show one day where I got my own show with um, a band and this backup group I sing with uh, that called the Chicklets. And now every year I'm annually there and doing other shows and whatnot. And this happened to come into the mix totally as a result of Bobby Rydell being sick and not being able to come back last year after his sound check. Cousin Brucey said, we got Bobby's whole band. You just did a set. Can you go back out and do a couple of numbers with Bobby's band? And uh, one thing led to another. I come off the stage and John Katzmatidis invited me on the spot to be part of the Music Radio family. And little by little, it's, it's blossoming into a beautiful thing. Well, let me tell you something. You are the rising star from Staten Island. Frank Morano is the oldest young person that we've ever known. You know, his <laughs> classics, uh, Rudy Valley, Brother Can You Spare a Dime. Uh, he's the president of the Al Jolson Fan Club. Uh, he plays that classic from 1918. And tonight... Uh, he begins his trek nationally like you've begun your trek. He's hosting a syndicated uh, overnight show uh, because uh, many people out there in America, they, they're yearning to have a second coming of Art Bell, that Looney Kazuni from Parts Unknown who actually grew up in Patterson and then uh, just uh, became an overnight sensation at WABC talking about uh, Roswell, extraterrestrials, UFOs, and all other kinds of subjects. And now Frank Morano takes his first step. It's amazing. He's from Staten Island. You're from Staten Island. Uh, I think you're probably older than Frank. You really do, Vinny. I, I don't know. I think we're the same age. I just look younger. But Frank does us proud. I know him many years. He's a good guy. I don't know if I should divulge the age on the air. Yeah, <laughs> well, uh, he tells everybody he's not going <laughs> to let anybody know. But but I oh. think you've become my biggest fan. I love that. Oh, there's no Bigger doubt. Bigger than Frank. I there's, think that's great. There's no doubt. Well, you know, Frank is <laughs> a little envious. You know, he thinks he's the king of Staten Island. I say, they made the movie. It was Pete Davidson. And they shot that Frank. next door to my house. Pete Davidson stayed for three months next door to me. He hung out with me. Now, now, where did you, where were you raised in Staten Island? Elm Park. Yeah, right where I live still, right? It's, it's crazy. I'm totally homegrown. I teach in the high school I went to. You know, grew up in the in, in, in the Elm Park section of Staten Island. Still live in the childhood house I grew up in. So you graduated Port Richmond High School, and then where did you go? I went to the College of Staten Island for a degree in media. And, um, you know, I was working. Then I went, I went, I had a job at CBS FM. And I believe it or not, I worked behind the scenes doing media work um, on the TV show Mob Wives, which was shot on, shot on Staten Island. Um, I did social media for Big Ange when she came out. Big Ange. Yeah. And she yeah. passed away. Yeah, she was a sweetheart. Um, I did a lot of a lot of great work with her, which opened the doors for me to, believe it or not, learn a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff, which then I fell backwards into teaching it. So you were there with Karen Gravano, daughter of... Uh, Quite a few times I was in her company, but really a lot of the stuff with Ange, more of her day-to-day -day operations, you know, if they wanted her to endorse a prod product or... And what about, what about the Albanian bad girl from Marinus Harbor? Oh, Drita. Oh, my God. Yeah, I met her a couple times. That... It's rough stuff. Yeah, yeah. I believe she can knock a guy out. Yeah, she's pretty tough. She fools you because of her look. She's Albanian. She's not Italian. But, man, she's hit some women. and like They're down for the count. 
They're all characters. I'll put it to you that way. Yeah, well, Frank Morano loves him. He really yeah. loves him. He actually said the other day if he was stranded on an island, you know, like Robinson Crusoe, like Tom Hanks <laughs> right, with the volleyball, like yeah, right, yeah. Wilson, he'd want to be there with the mob wives. Not historians, the mob wives. I don't think his wife, Rachel, took too kindly <laughs> to that. But now let's get back on track. The reason I've asked you to come in here today is not only to explain to all of our listeners who you are, the fact that you are Staten Island through and through. So whether you think Pete Davidson, whether you think Frank Morano, you have to think Vinny Madugno. Thank you for that. But the other day you came up to me. I, I was not connecting the dots. I was there hours after that 20-year-old woman was shot and killed, cold-blooded murder at 8 o'clock at night. Outside of Seabury Park, 95th in Lexington, the very park that I took Anthony, who's an intern here at WABC. Yeah, absolutely. Just graduated high school himself. Uh, we do the father and son podcast, Anthony and uh, Curtis. And uh, I took him there to play basketball. And then I heard what had happened there. And I said, oh, man, that's the Upper East Side. But that's par for the course. There's shootings all over the five boroughs. Went there, saw the blood on the floor, and I assumed she probably had a drug problem. She probably was dysfunctional. There's probably some drama involved in all of this without sort of hesitating and say every situation is different. Don't fall into the same trap. But this woman, you happened to know, uh, Azia Johnson. Asia. Asia, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, And the reason why I said it to you yesterday was because just— I love the fact that we can humanize a person because we see this so often and we really don't know anything about them. But this this particular young lady, and I didn't even know who it was until the next morning when my phone was blowing up and all my former students were like, Mr. Madunio, look who, who it was, the young lady, the young lady. And it was her. And I was just baffled. Took a few hours to wrap my head around it. No teacher wants to hear that his student dies before he does, right? Especially one that had such a promising life. She was a beautiful young lady, a great kid. She managed to graduate during the time of the pandemic, right, when schools were remote and whatnot, did the right thing in her classes, got all her credits. She was into the Port Richmond JROTC program, which is a branch of the Army, the cadets, which you actually yeah. came and gave out awards to the kids. Yeah, I was really impressed. I've been impressed by two uh, junior ROTC groups. Uh, you have uh, uh, Port Richmond, right in the shadow of the Bayonne Bridge, a great program. In fact, I was there with the vice president, yeah, uh, principal. Yeah, Lisa, Lisa Polari, yeah. Who's no longer with us. No, right? she, 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 uh, she lost a battle to cancer, wow. unfortunately. Young woman, yeah. she was vibrant. Uh, you say, wow, this is, uh, this is where education thrives. And then Francis uh, Lewis High School, they got a fabulous Absolutely. ROTC group. So I, I was proud to be asked to be there. And it was really great students. I may have ended up giving her a certificate without even knowing You it. probably did, right? And then, and then she also was a track star, track athlete. Kid was super athletic. She was one of those kids that lived at school after school. And that's what we love because I do the student activities as well as teach. I, I run all the after school activities and programs. Kind of like the cruise director of the high school, so sure, to say. Sure, sure. And she was one of the familiar faces that was always in the building after school. Always greeted with a smile. In fact, one of my alumni texted me a picture that I don't even remember taking in my office with her in it. It was me, this other young lady, and this young lady. So now, what subjects do you teach? I teach media broadcasting. I teach more so people who are going to compete with me and Frank one day take our jobs because you've trained them so well. I'm thinking of more like our interns, our future. Oh, I see. You know, our future assistants and producers and whatnot. So was she in your class? (laughs) She was. She was, and she got the credit for that. 
And then she wanted to try the culinary arts program, and she went into that as well. All right. Now, look. Well-rounded young lady. I was a student in class. A lot of times I, I couldn't. Couldn't be bothered with it, you know, and I would have this frown on my face, you know, like, I can't wait to get out of here. Hopefully that bell will ring. Tell us what kind of student she was. No, a great young lady. Never heard two words of boo out of her. You know, if she asked for the pass to go to the bathroom, it was literally to go to the bathroom, not a hall walker, nothing like that. I just remember her always being a very pleasant young lady. So I was very taken aback when I seen uh, the pictures on the cover of the paper and realized finally it was like, oh, my God, this is who it is. Now, at 20... She's drop-dead gorgeous. Beautiful young lady. And I have to assume she's in uh, Port Richmond High School. She's living in Staten Island at the time? Yeah. Yes, yeah, she was. Okay. With with her mother, we've seen her mother, Lisa DeSort, uh, you know, talking about her life and times, talking. But we also hear that they were living sh- in shelters. Yeah. Yeah. Are I, you I aware? hadn't known that. I, I, I just learned that from the story um, because she had kept in touch with a lot of the former students and- you know, they had brought that to my attention. And I believe one of them told me recently that they didn't know. They, she didn't think that anything would happen if she met this, this man in a public spot, you know. But now I got to assume that before this guy came along, there may have been other guys. Uh, because as you said, she was uh, a social butterfly. She wasn't like in a cocoon. She was vibrant, uh, obviously a track uh, star there. She was out and about. Was there another guy in her life there in the school at that time? In high school, yeah. But you know how it is with kids. They tend to gravitate towards people and whatnot. We always try to teach our our boys and our girls. Like I know, and I'm sure I speak for other teachers when they say this. You always want to teach them to know their worth and know their value. You know, never put themselves with something lower than they should be with or whatnot. But unfortunately, we see once they leave us, what they wind up connecting with, you know, we have no control over that. And you can only hope that they go in, in, in the right direction and, Domestic violence is a real thing. It's it's rising amongst our youth. It's 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 terrible. Now this Isaac uh, Argo, who was brought into the 19th precinct, uh, I well, you never know with Alvin Bragg. You just this this DA. You would think this is a slam dunk case. They got him on video. I spoke to the superintendent at the High Tower Building, who I've known for years. When I would take uh, Anthony there to play basketball in Seabury Park, he came out. He talked to me. Nobody had talked to him yet. Hey. Cops, 19th Precinct, you may want to talk to this guy. He's got the video. He says the guy was on the south side of 95th Street with a black hoodie, and he was going up and down between the cars, watching her as she was walking up and down with the baby carriage with the three-month-year-old child, their child. And apparently she hadn't seen him. You could see in the video he was trying to sort of stalk her but stay out of her range of sight. Then he walks down the block towards 3rd Avenue. It's in an incline going down. And you see on the film, I didn't see it. This is the super telling me. He's on the corner for about a minute. He's on his cell phone. He's talking. Then he comes back up towards Lexington. The incline is up. And then at the last second, when she has his back, her back turned against him, she doesn't even know he's there yet. He sneaks up behind her, puts the gun behind her head and blows her brains out and then runs down towards 3rd Avenue and disappears. You know, dressed all in black, black hoodie. Couldn't really tell who he was on the video. What about the baby, though? Baby was in the carriage. And you say to yourself, wow. Now, I know she had another child before this. Uh, you don't know if the father was originally from uh, Port Richmond. Yeah, that, I, I, it's jarring my memory on that one. I could, I, I'll ask and find out some of the kids that stayed in touch. But um, I don't know. I don't know. I had thought so, but I'm not sure 100%. 
One of the things that I did read, which um, was heartbreaking, was I, I believe her mom had her tracking on the cell phone yes. to be able to stay in touch with her. And once the mother tracked her and saw she was in the hospital, she knew something bad. Yeah, she, I believe she was staying at a shelter, a family shelter, up there in the Upper East Side, which is a hell of a lot better than some of the neighborhoods she could have been assigned to. But she gave this guy another chance. She had blocked him. She was avoiding him. And for some strange reason, she unblocked, had a brief conversation with him, agreed at, to a rendezvous, and then he shot and killed. <sighs> now, in high schools, as you mentioned, this is a growing problem. I'm sure it exists between boyfriends and girlfriends. And nowadays, you have lesbians, you have gays, you have transgenders. It's not going to stop. People are social when they're in high school, especially high levels of testosterone, estrogen. What can you do as a teacher? What can the administration do when they begin to see the signs of maybe possible abuse? So I'm glad you asked that because we, we pay attention to that in the school. You know, I think it's it's also a testament to the adults that run certain types of programs. Like we have one adult that really focuses on this. It's It's a student health and wellness club. And she calls the young ladies in, women's empowerment, um, has conversations with them about the warning signs. We also speak to the, to the, to the young men about this as, as well. You know, our deans are very super active. A lot of the schools do this as well. But sometimes they just become inundated with the way society is around them. And sometimes they see this modeled behavior, whether it's on TV or it's in the culture of music or popular culture. You know, I always try to talk to the young boys, as do our, our great coaches and deans that speak to their young men about how to treat a woman, how to treat your significant other, you know, respect them, treat them as if they're your sister, treat them as if they're your mom, you know, respect them. And it's it's a growing thing. We're seeing it a lot. Well, when we come back, Vinny Madunio, before you take over the microphone from 5 to 6, you can now hear Vinny, excuse me, Saturdays and Sundays, 5 to 6, Saturdays before your mentor, Cousin Brucey. And then, obviously, tonight, 5 to 6, so nice. They let you do it twice before Jersey Joe Piscopo and the Frank Sinatra two-hour extravaganza that is sponsored by Ramsey Mazda. I got to ask you, I was at uh, Danino's, uh, <laughs> the final night of the campaign, first Mind time you, ever. Everybody in Staten Island texts me, so I knew you were in Danino's before you knew you were going to Danino's. With Michael Baticic, <laughs> Rudy. Right. And I was there with the staff of Wagner. Susan E. I had to remind him it's Susan E. Wagner right. High School. And I'm going to relate to you a conversation that I had with the deans. They're somewhat frightening compared to when I went to school, very briefly, uh, public high school, Canarsie. And I had to deal with deans there who were like the, um, the heads of the correctional department at Rikers Island then. But now, apparently, it's a completely hands-off policy. York's talk station with the king of New York, Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. This is what I always tell people, Vinny Madunio, when they call me up. Hey, how you doing? I say, I've had better days. I've had better days. Like you should ask, right? Look, look at the mess our city is in. 
And when I was at uh, Danino's Monday night, the last night of the campaign, Rudy said, we got to go to Danino's. We got to pay tribute to Guy Malinari. I had many sessions there. And he goes, Curtis, the food is incredible. I said, you know, hey, I can't eat that food anymore with the red sauce. He goes, watch, you'll get there, you'll just keep eating. They brought out all the pizza pies. I mean, incredible array. I had 12 slices. I got Crohn's disease. Uh, my uh, campaign manager, who also helped Andrew, said, he'll die. He'll die eating that stuff. I said, if I'm going to die, let me die in Danino's. This is like heaven. And while we were there munching and crunching and reminiscing about Guy Malinari, two deans came over from Susan E. Wagner High School. They had just graduated. And I said to them, I said, what the hell is happening to your school? He's Susan E. Wagner, I mean... They never had problems years ago. Now they've had pistol whippings, shootings outside, gangs in the hallways. And they said, Curtis, we could easily control the situation, but it's a hands-off policy. We can't be the dean like you know when you were growing up. Yeah, they want you to be more uh, restorative, so they say, and de-escalate the situation. Restorative justice. Yes, this is what they want, Um, a more friendly approach. That means if some thug took a baseball bat out, which is very synonymous with Staten Island, took it out of the trunk of his car, beat the hell out of you outside the school. You both go to that school. Restorative justice means you don't get suspended, you don't get expelled, you don't even go to jail. They put you in a room with your victim, and you tell the victim, hey, you know, not for nothing, I had a bad hair day. I don't know what got over me. And I grabbed the Louisville Slugger, the Rocky Calavito mm-hmm. bat, I yeah. hit you a few times in the head. I'm sorry. Try to understand what was going through the right. person's mind that. I'm sorry. And then did the that. counselor says, Good, good. Vinny, you said you're sorry. Sal, do you accept that? And Sal is like, Are you crazy? I got to go back into the same classroom with this guy. He's going to be mad dogging me and eye fornicating me. That's restorative justice. Now, what can we expect up next uh, in terms of your one-hour extravaganza before Jersey Joe Piscopo and the Frank Sinatra two-hour show? It's America's birthday weekend, so we got some great patriotic, uh, of course, American songbook classics. We had a little bit of the 60s and 70s in the uh, Vinny's Version segment. I'm doing my take on a song from an American Broadway musical, Hair, which, of course, went to, uh, you know, major motion picture. So you'll hear my take on a song coming up in a little while. And then, of course, in the deeper cut of the vinyl vault, a Neil Diamond classic, America. How could you not play it on this weekend? That's incredible. My older sister, Alita, was actually uh, in hair in Amsterdam. And then she took all her clothes off. I said, oh, my God. (laughs) Like they did that one scene where everybody... Yeah, when I directed it at Port Richmond, the kids kept their clothes on. (laughs) I said, Alita, what are you doing? Oh, this is art. This is art. It's like, oh, I was shocked. Anyway. Uh, I'm still waiting for you to have a music radio show. You yeah. do everything else on the weekend here. I think we need to do a music radio show with you. Uh, I'm into EDM, electronic dance music. I love that you love disco, too. Most folks my age are not into electronic dance music. I'm going to have to convince uh, John and Margot Katzmatidis. They're buying up stations everywhere. Why not? Curtis Lee with EDM. I think it's great. And I think that the bottom of a, of a New York Post article is not big enough for you. That's right. I need the whole newspaper. You know me. I'm like Len Zeiss. Anyway, to everybody out there, with patriotic pride, you got to come out to Travis Staten Island tomorrow. Be there at 11. You get to hear the commemorations at 12. 
and then a parade. It's uh, a beautiful parade. Like, you, they don't happen like this anymore through the neighborhood with patriotic pride. Democrats march with Republicans in solidarity to praise America, to pay tribute to America, singing God Bless America, the Pledge of Allegiance, waving flags. You just don't see this any longer. I hope I'm going to see all of you out there tomorrow, Travis and Staten Island.